Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Job chapter 38. If I waited till Biscom stopped talking, we might as well go home. Um, Job chapter 38 is where we left off. And uh, we're moving along here through the start of uh, the Lord's response. And uh, I will say thank you for your prayers. I'll mention this again, but Patrick is home. And so no more hospital trips for me and overnight stays and all those things. I might actually get to sleep. So, um, And I am feeling much better. I was sick all of last week, so I am feeling pretty good. I am not shaking hands today, though, so don't be offended that I don't shake your hand. I just don't want, in case there's any residuals that I don't know about, I don't want you sick. So um, I'm kind of keeping my distance for the most part. So uh, that's not me being rude. I promise that's me trying to be nice. All right. Uh, Job chapter 38, if you would, and be in prayer for my voice. It's still a little scratchy as well, if you can't tell that. Um, So Job chapter 38, and we'll pick it up. Uh, We're somewhere around verse uh, 29 on down there, so we'll read uh, read a few verses here. Verse number 29, out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven who, who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide uh, Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that may, they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, and who hath, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Uh, let's, uh, we'll just pause right there. Uh, we got a lot to cover in just that section alone. So uh, once again, we're just continuing here in Job chapter 38. And of course, the Lord is, is responding now to Job. And we've been covering a lot of the questions and uh, 40 questions here in the chapter as you, uh, as I referenced earlier. And so Lord's just kind of tying things up. We talked about the water and the ice last time and the face of the deep being frozen uh, a couple weeks ago, that's absolute zero there, the barrier between the universe and heaven. And uh, we talked a, a lot about that uh, over the last few times as he's brought up the ice and the frost and cold and the Lord being from the north and so on. We've talked a lot about all of those things. And so we're going to talk about now uh, the influences of Pleiades and the bands of Orion and all those things. So we'll get into the constellations a little bit here and uh, talk some of that. Let's have a word of prayer and get into those uh, those things today. Father, I do thank you for the day and thank you once again. You are good to us and your mercy endureth forever. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, being able to have us here and being able to come together and worship and praise you. And Lord, once again, we pray you would help us today. Father, we need your wisdom and your guidance and your understanding of the scriptures, especially, Father, as we get into some of these things, we pray that you would just once again, uh, give us what we need today. Be with Pastor Legault, Father, strengthen and help him, Father, with his knee and, and his back, Lord. And I pray you just strengthen and encourage him today. God, give him the wisdom he needs to preach this morning. I pray you'd be with me as I continue to recover as well. I pray you'd help me to uh, be able to say all the right things and do all the right things this morning as well. And once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory this day in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. 
Amen. So here we are, Job chapter 38, and he, uh, he starts talking about uh, these constellations, of course, in verse number 31, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Uh, and so he's getting into these constellations. Now, Pleiades, if you don't know what that is, that's the seven stars that are around uh, or near uh, the constellation of Orion. And most people know Orion, Orion's belt. You know, you got those three stars for the belt and then the rest of him uh, being the hunter and so on. Uh, and so then there's the seven stars often referred to as the seven sisters there, Pleiades. Uh, and so that's what he's referencing. Well, those stars are there and Pleiades would reference the coming of winter when they could see that. And so he's asking that question, uh, canst, uh, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? Can you stop winter from coming? Can you bind winter back from coming and showing up? Or, uh, once again, the second half, or loose the bands of Orion. Can you basically uh, keep, you know, let Orion move around and do what he needs? To, well, no, you, you don't control where the stars move and how the seasons change or any of those things. And he's talking about those. Uh, it's interesting, though, that he uses those, especially Orion. Uh, Orion is considered the giant of the constellations. Uh, and so can you keep spring from coming uh, through summer, or can you stop winter? Can you control the seasons? That's the question the Lord's asking him, and the answer is, well, no, you don't, you don't get to choose, uh, right? I don't know how many of us really would have had snow in, in May uh, this year, but uh, we had it, and those kind of things, you can't control how any of those things work and how the constellations move and the orbit of the sun and how everything works, uh, and so it's not those questions, uh, but it's interesting he uses Orion as well because Orion also has a secondary meaning. He's not just uh, the hunter, uh, he also has the name itself has the meaning of fool. He's a fool. And that's interesting. Look over at Zechariah chapter 11. Zechariah chapter 11. And in Zechariah 11, uh, down near the end of the chapter here, of course, uh, verse number 15, reference to the Antichrist here. And the Lord said unto me, take unto thee yet the instruments of a, look at that, foolish shepherd. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off. Uh, neither shall seek the younger one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that standeth still. But he that uh, he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear the, their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd. There he is, an idol. Uh, not a lazy shepherd, but a, one that's worshipped. An idol shepherd uh, that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Uh, reference to the Antichrist. And who is he? Well, he's a fool. He's a foolish shepherd. Uh, so it's interesting that Orion also has that connotation. He's also a giant. Uh, that's what you get in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, and he also asked the question, if you can bind Orion, loose the bands of Orion, well, then he's bound. He's bound where he is in the sky. Uh, but he also gets bound, if he's the Antichrist, he also gets bound in Revelation chapter 20, doesn't he? And put in a bottomless pit. Who can loose him? Well, the loosing happens because the Lord allows him to be loosed a thousand years later. When the Lord wants him to be loosed, he'll be loosed. And until then, nobody moves him. Uh, interesting, just kind of one of those 
uh, things that's in there, and whether there's more to it or not, that's up to you. You can decide. I don't really want to give you all those things, but this there's just some interesting moments as to what he chooses. Uh, go back to Job chapter 38. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that stuff, um, but sometimes we... We really don't understand a lot of the depth of what the Lord has done when he wove the scriptures all together. We miss a lot of things. Uh, I miss a lot of things. Maybe, maybe you get it a little bit faster than me, but uh, you, just, you, you can't see all those pieces a lot of times. And you get just one little choice, and he chooses a constellation on purpose. And he chooses those things. He uses the words that he uses. Uh, the oddity, and I don't want to get into this either because it's not really part of it, but the oddity of the words of the Lord are pure words. Every word of God is pure, therefore thy servant love. All those verses we use and we love the words of God, uh, then there's a particular, uh, a particular reason he used those. Uh, I talked about it last time, uh, I believe, and uh, the law of first mention and why we use that. Pastor actually, I think, used that in a message recently as well. Uh, the idea of the law of first mention, when God uses the word the first time to define the word and utilize it. And the easiest one to use for me is the word love and the way he designs the Bible. You can't tell me that he couldn't have used the word love before Genesis chapter 22. Well, then why didn't he? Because he wanted to use it in a certain case at a certain moment so that he could define it for the rest of, his, for the, rest of the scriptures when he goes to use it. And that's the love for a father to his son and the proof that God is going to be loved more than that. And it's, it's an amazing truth. And so why does he use the words he uses? Uh, and you go, well, I don't know why he used that. Well, then maybe you ought to think about why he used that word and not a different one. Uh, that might be just the Lord flagging it for you. But anyways, I'll get back to the text here. Verse 32, canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Uh, once again, uh, referencing... Uh, Probably the Zodiac constellations, um, more than likely. Uh, I can't guarantee that, but that's probably what that is, just signs in the Zodiac things, uh, reference to Ma uh, Maseroth there. Uh, his is a reference, looks like it's a reference back to Orion, which would then mean the Antichrist. Uh, and that's just another interesting moment. Bring forth Maseroth in his season. I canst thou guide his uh, Arcturus with his sons, and so on. Uh, getting into some of the ideas uh, there, you have the idea that they're not going to shine. Uh, the stars around what he needs, what he wants, doesn't shine. Uh, that gets you into Isaiah chapter 13. We'll take a quick glance there. Hold your place here, Isaiah chapter 13. Of course, Revelation chapter 6, the angel goes out and pours out the vial and they don't, the stars don't shine and things like that happen in the tribulation as well. But Isaiah chapter 13, verse number 10, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible, and so on. You can uh, keep going, but this is the day of the Lord. Look at verse number six. That's the context. Is the day of the Lord showing up. 
Uh, you say, what's he doing? He's causing all those things not to shine. He's removing the constellations and, and removing any of the light from it for them to get their guidance and all those things. And they're not going to shine in the tribulation. Uh, back to Job chapter 38. He says Arcturus there as well. And that would be a reference to Ursa Major, the big, the big bear, and the three stars of the handle would be his sons. Uh, there, the Big Dipper, right? And uh, those things. Uh, interestingly, it's a reference to Ursa Major, so then it's a reference to a big bear. And bears are referenced all through the tribulation, uh, especially throughout Daniel chapter 7. The bear shows up. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, the bear shows up. Amos chapter 5, the bear shows up. And it's with his sons. You say, well, who would that be? That would be his followers. Uh, amazingly enough, right? Doesn't, doesn't the devil try to copy everything the Lord does? Well, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Well, what does the devil do? Well, he makes them his sons. The Antichrist, that's his followers. And so there they are. Uh, in chapter 38 here, Canst thou guide Eric Arcturus with his sons? Can you, can you move those pieces? Around? Well, no, you're not going to guide him. He's going to do what he wants to do. Uh, that's a foolish and a proud man, right? The foolish and the proud man, you're not going to argue with him. You're not going to reason with him. You're not going to do any of those things. Well, that's the Antichrist. Those are all reference to the Antichrist. Uh, and so Job just continues on with all the wonderment that is... Uh, Tying everything right back to the tribulation for you. Uh, there it is. And the Lord's given uh, both the practical and what is actually happening in the universe. You can't stop the seasons from changing. You can't stop the uh, constellations in their, in their space. You can't do it at all. And on top of that, uh, he uses it to show off that not only does he do it in time, as in what you and I are looking at, but he also is going to use it as a picture out to the tribulation here. Uh, then you get to verse number 33. Uh, Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven, all the laws of the universe? Well, the world knows some of them. We understand some of them. Uh, I mean, you go, ah, we could do this for a while, but I'm not going to, I promise. Uh, you talk about the idea of existence of life on a planet. Uh, the idea that the idea that you could have life on another planet in the universe, that's what the NASA wants to try and do and try and prove and figure out. Uh, they know that there isn't. They know that there isn't. So how do you know that? Because the odds of there being another one exactly like the Earth is so low and minimal, it is virtually impossible. They know that none of the other planets in our system have life. So then what's the point? <laughs> How do they know that? Because, uh, number one, uh, you, there's a whole list, I think it's 39 of them, of laws that have to be there. Those, those conditions must be met for you to have life on a planet. You can only have one moon. If you have more than one moon, you don't have life. The tilt of the axis that we have on the earth, if that tilt is not there, you don't have life. Uh, if the water content is not as high on the planet surface as it is here, you don't have life. If you are too close to the sun, you don't have life. If you're too far away from the sun, you don't have life. 
I can keep doing that. There's 39 of them. Say, what's the likelihood of that happening on accident? They don't want to talk about that. But they know their laws. You can look them up. There's laws to whether or not you can have life on a planet, regardless of if you are one of those wonderful folks who believes in evolution and the idea of evolution, on top of the non-likely cause of spontaneous generation, on top of that being not likely to ever happen, you now have to put a rock with the right amount of water on the surface, the right distance from the sun, with the right tilt of an axis, with only one moon, with, and the list keeps going, and now you're going to do that on some other planet in the universe. Okay. Say, so what, what do we understand? We understand there's laws within the universe. We understand that. So he says, uh, knowest thou the ordinance of, ordinances of heaven? Well, you don't know all of them. They keep finding new things out like, oh, we didn't know that before. We didn't know that before. They just don't want to admit they're wrong. Uh, anyways, I'm gonna get, we won't get into that. Uh, but he says, uh, <coughs> excuse me, knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Uh, well, then can you control the universe from here? Really? Can you decide when to turn gravity off? No. Can you decide when the, the earth stops spinning? No. Can you decide when the universe stops moving? No. Can you go ahead and be like, well, uh, I'm going to stop the sun from rising tomorrow. Nope. Those are just the ordinances. When God started time, he started it and had all of the pieces ready to go, and it runs. And you and I don't stop any of it. Are you going to have dominion here in the earth? Uh, can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Uh, on top of that, what are you going to bring in a kingdom? We're going to get everything in order so that Jesus can show up. What are you, what are you going to do? Go, go over to Matthew chapter 6. Just, we'll just grab one verse. Now this is part of the uh, disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. He told them, he told them to pray it. Uh, Thy kingdom come, verse number 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. Are you the one that's going to have dominion? Nope. It's him. It's his dominion. He's the one who, when he wants to stop the sun from moving... He says, okay, fine, Joshua, I'll just stop that. That's fine. I'll take care of that for you. No problem. I'll move it back 10 degrees. Okay, I'll just move it back 10 degrees. That's fine. I can do that too. Say, can I do that? Nope, I can't do that. Neither can you. Uh, but the designer can. 
he can do it whenever he feels like it. And so you get back to Job chapter 3, he's going, hey, are you going to be able to do this? Job, are you going to have dominion over the earth and all the ordinances and all the law? Are, are you going to do it? No. You're, you're going to do nothing. You know what you're going to do? You're going to be on it. That's what you're going to do. You're part of the system. You're not, you're not above it. You're not getting around it. There you are. And then he says in verse number 34, Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Can you make it rain? You get to decide when it rains and when it doesn't rain. Well, there was a guy. <laughs> Wasn't there a guy? Uh, James chapter 5, verse 17, right? Elijah was a man of like passions, and he commanded that it not rain for three and a half years. Well, I mean, why would you bring that up? Probably because it's not going to rain for three and a half years in a tribulation. Drought. Can you make it not rain? Elijah could. But only by the power of the one who gave him the power to do it. And the command. He can do it. But can you? Well, no. (laughs) Sadly, we're having a rough year. Ross doesn't get to step outside and say, I need some more rain on my crop over there. <laughs> so I'm going to make it rain today. We're going gonna to have a nice storm today and nice soaking rain. We need a good soaking rain. So I'm going to control how much water and how quickly it falls from the sky. We have no say over that at all. Oh, well, you know, uh, it's just, it's been too rainy. We need some sun, so let's just push the clouds off and uh, we'll tell them to leave and we'll get some sunshine in here and we'll get it, we'll just, I mean, we'll set everything just right. You wish you could do that. Never get to. And then on top of that, which one of us gets to decide? Well, I get to decide. Of course you get to decide. That's what you want. Anyways, better just let him decide. He'll take care of it. He made a promise to take care of it. Anyways, get me all off on some other things again. I'm going to try not to. I promise. He says in verse 35, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are? Does the lightning respond to your beck and call? You know, it's amazing. We can now send lightnings, and the answer is, here we are. What? what? That's a phone call. That's power. Can you hear me now? See? Oh, here we are. Yeah, I'm here. Did I lose you? Nope, I'm here. Amazing. So where'd you get that? Out of a Bible. They just, anyways. Uh, you send lightnings that they may go, but not the lightning that he has. Not the power like he has. That gets us all into what's electricity again, and how do we work it, and how do you operate it, and how do you, we can harness certain aspects of it, but that's about all we got. That's about it. You get to verse 36. Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Oof. Uh, Wisdom is ultimately how to use what you already know. How How do you implement what you know to be true? How do you put that into practice? That's wisdom, practical wisdom. 
Understanding is, how does that relate to God now? Mm-hmm. Understanding is not just, well, I understand all these pieces. Understanding is, how does those pieces work? How can I utilize those because of God, the one who gave them to me? Uh, understanding is not just, I, I get that if I push this button, these things happen. It is, why does it matter that those things happen to God? That's, that's real understanding. Well, who's the one who puts those things in us? God puts those in us. Uh, We could do all sorts of verses, but uh, Romans chapter 10 is great. The, The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. The world knows the truth of a creator, regardless of how far it's been buried. They try to bury it, and they try to turn from it, they try to walk away from it. The truth of a creator and the truth of a savior and the need to call to him and to call to God is built into us. That's a natural man. A natural man, no matter how wicked he is, understands that when trouble comes and problems come, they still know to cry out to a God. They they may not know him. They may not have a relationship like you and I are supposed to have with him. But they know that there's a God and they want to cry out to him. Calling out to him is a natural response of a natural man. Say, what does that come from? That comes from the inward part. Hey, who put that in them? God did. You know, they want to go and act like, you know, the great laws that were laid down in Egypt and we write down, you know, and an eye for an eye and all these pieces. And where did all that stuff come from? God, the law was written in their heart before they ever got anywhere. God, God wrote that down in the DNA that you know that you're not supposed to kill somebody and you're not supposed to steal their stuff and that there's a God in heaven that you're supposed to work. All that is inside of a man before he even starts. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to follow it, but that's what that conscience is in there for. And it tells him exactly what he's doing wrong and what he's doing right. And we have piles of scripture to talk about it. Just because man rejects the truth that's been put inside of him doesn't mean the truth wasn't there. It means they rejected the truth. They chose to turn away from the truth and believe a lie. And then you get into Romans chapter 1 and all the pieces that follow and so on down the, down the rabbit hole you go into a mess. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't instilled that wisdom into every man. Every man knows that those things are wrong. That's why you can go to a godless area and they have laws. Well, why do they have laws? They have laws because they understand that without laws, you have chaos. (coughs) Excuse me. And in that chaos, they find that there's laws. Well, what are the laws? The laws are don't do all these things. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're the same laws everywhere you go. You realize you don't have to look up every single law in every country when you cross a border. If you behave like a human being in pretty much every country on the planet, you won't have any problems with the law. Isn't it it amazing that all the laws in every land, the major laws, are all exactly the same? Say, what is that? Wisdom God put inside of a man. Practically, we can't do these things. See, man is not lawless. They never were. 
It's just that they can choose to listen to it or not. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one. In Corinthians, right? What's the problem in 1 Corinthians? That there's a man in sin. And notice what he said about it. He said that it's a sin that's not named among the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles, or even the wicked sinner, the heathen, know that that's wicked. That's how bad you're sinning. You're sinning so bad, even the wicked people know that you're wicked. Well, where did they get that idea? Well, it was already in them. It was already in them to know that was wicked. They didn't have to be told that. That was already designed. That what that guy was doing wasn't natural. It wasn't normal. It wasn't even, it wasn't even normal wickedness. It was extraordinary wickedness. See, that wisdom's already been put, put inside man. Do you put it in? Nope, God already did. He designed it. He designs man. And when he did, he goes ahead and he gave them everything that they needed to know and all the pieces that they were supposed to have. Look, look over at Job chapter 28. Just hold your place. We'll just jump back 10 chapters and jump back forward again. Uh, Job 28, 28, last verse. And unto, the, unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord. Well, if you're afraid of him, you know how, to, how you ought to live. That's wisdom. That's understanding. Uh, that's wisdom of, of what to know. How to use what you know. I'm afraid of God. I know the consequences. I have wisdom, so I'm not going to do those things. And then how it relates to God, your understanding of it. There's the second half. Do it His way, understand Him. Uh, how does it relate to God? There it is. How does it relate to Him? Go back over to Job chapter 38. We're getting there. We're getting there. How about that? I might finish the chapter today. Verse number, uh, verse number uh, 37. Who can number the clouds in wisdom, or who can stay uh, the bottles of heaven when the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together? Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion, or fill the appetite of the young lions when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert? Uh, covert of to lie in wait, who provideth for the raven his food, when his young ones cry unto God and wander for lack of meat. Uh, can't count the clouds. Can you count the clouds? How do you count, do you count clouds? <laughs> Where does one stop and another one begin? And then you gotta, and then they're always moving. And then how do you? you can't count the clouds. Yeah, yeah, line them all up. Like, uh, if only you could. But how do you, how do you, did I get that one? I don't know if I got that one. Oh, wait, another one just formed. Oh, oh, how do I, you can't count the clouds. Who can number the clouds and was, or who can stay to the, the bottles of heaven when dust groweth into hardness and clouds cleave fast together? You know what? You can't count the clouds and, uh, you can't, you can't do anything about the bottles of heaven. That's an interesting little statement right there. I don't know if this is the right reference for it, but we're going to try it, all right? Go over to Revelation. 
Revelation chapter 16. Those bottles of heaven. Who can stay? Who can stop, basically? Who can keep the bottles of heaven from doing what they're about to do? When the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave cleave fast together. Uh, That's a drought time. And you've got to stop the bottles of heaven from pouring out in a drought. That sounds like the tribulation. Say, so what kind of bottles are you talking about? Verse number 1 here in chapter 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple uh, saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. What if those are the bottles? Isn't that what he's about to pour out in the tribulation? Just some vials. The first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art, thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast thus judged. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men are scorched with great heat, and blaspheme the name of God, and hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sea, uh, upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains uh, and their sores and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up and it passed and that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out, right? And all the things. And he's going to get the seventh one here in a little bit. Uh, you say, what's he doing? There, there's your drought right there. And the clods coming together. It's all piled up. To get, you say, are, are those the bottles? I don't know. The only bottles I know that are in heaven outside of the ones that collect the tears of the saints, there's that one, I guess. And I don't understand why you'd be staying that one in the middle of it. Uh, but these, these I could understand you wanting to stop. The judgment of God coming down. They can't stop it. Go back to uh, Job 38 here. Uh, I would imagine those are the bottles. I, I can't guarantee that, but uh, those would be the bottles of heaven if I were uh, thinking correctly. And how are you going to stop them? Who's going to stop them? Well, the Lord's the one who gives the order. The angel's the one who does it. What, are you going to stop the angels? One's out there at the sun, pouring it on the sun. Are you going to stop them? <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> no. Can't do it. You can't stop them. When they're ready, when the Lord is ready to go, it's it's on His timetable. You get to verse number thirty-nine. Almost done. How about that? Verse number thirty-nine. He's going to talk about these uh, these animals here. Uh, once again, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion, or fill the appetite of the young lions? Are, are you the one who's going to feed the lions? No, you don't take care of them. I mean, you may, you may have to take care of them if they're in a zoo, but you've you got an entire 
safari full of them. What you, you don't you don't worry about that. Not, not one of us worried if the lion was going to eat today. We're just mostly concerned that the lion doesn't eat me today. That's that's no, I'm good, right? And then he talks about another animal to, to feed, and he says uh, the raven. There in verse number forty-one. Are you worried about who's feeding the ravens? Well, no, we don't, we don't worry about that. Say, so why don't we worry about that? Because God, God worries about that. That's him. Right in that Matthew chapter 6? You know, he, he goes ahead and he, feed, he feeds. They, the birds, they don't have, the birds of the air, they, they, don't have, they don't have a big barn to put everything in, and they don't have the silo full, and they don't have all the... The Lord takes care of them. The Lord makes sure the lion gets fed. The Lord makes sure the birds get fed. The Lord takes care of all those things. We don't worry about those things. Since when do we worry about whether or not, oh, you may have one individual animal, maybe five or six, maybe 10 or 12. <laughs> you may have herds of animals. But you're not worried about all of them. And by the way, what are you going to do to feed yours if God puts a drought on the planet? What are you going to do? I know we care for the beast and we do all the things that we need to do if it's ours, but what are you going to do? Who worries about whether or not they eat or not? Well, God does. He provides. Who provides when they, uh, verse number 40, where they get to live? Where they get to lie down? Where they get to lie and wait to go get their prey? Who are, who's waiting for? The Lord worries about all that stuff. We don't worry about that. This planet is so well designed by God, he, he has taken care of all of those things. He, he doesn't, he, he's not sitting up in the heavens worried. that he, he is not worried about global warming, let me put it that way. I'm sorry, climate change, because we can't have global warming anymore, because that statement is kind of false. So let's, uh, let's make it something we can try and put money on. Um, how can I make my money? Oh, climate change. Let's change that word around. That way we don't sound stupid when we say global warming. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm so close to getting into this bogged down into stupidity. Um, and it, the Lord has designed the planet. You realize that uh, all of the world's population combined, I mean, including China, our carbon footprint... <laughs> When the top blew off of Mount St. Helens, it put more of a carbon footprint into the atmosphere than the entire world puts out. Oh, look, we're all still breathing fine. Uh, you realize that here in New York State, they're trying to take away your wood-burning stoves? How crazy is that? Oh, but don't worry. We're gonna... See, I'm going to do it. I'm, gonna... I'm doing it. I'm going in. I'm going in. Uh how many, how many of y'all would like a heat pump in your house, right? That's, the, that's what they're pushing. A heat pump is so inefficient. Go ahead, put that up in the North Country. I want Brother Preview to use a heat pump for... Uh... That's not like our geothermal system you got sitting up here. That is, that's called frozen lines, and you will fail. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. You aren't going to heat your house with it. It can't keep up. You drop the temperature below 50, and it barely can keep up practically most of the time. And you say, how do you know all that? 
I installed them. Uh, they're great in Florida. <laughs> and you would love to put a swamp cooler at your house instead, right? Contrary to popular belief, they aren't good in a swamp. Uh, high moisture, high humidity. You know where they're good? They're good in a desert. I think we should make all of the people who want us to go to uh, heat pumps that they have to use swamp coolers and not air conditioners. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I said, what will that do? Teach them that if you're dumb, you can go ahead and follow along with what everybody thinks you can do. See, uh, there's zero practicality. Well, we're going to save the planet. Uh, I have a guarantee the planet will be here for at least another thousand years. Well, what can we do? Can we stop? You know, uh, I want you to know, there is nothing you are going to do to keep it around or to destroy it before he wants it gone. I am not, I am not the crazy person on the opposite side who's like, let's just go start forest fires. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But he puts you here to be able to use it. The blessings of God are to be used. He gave them to us to have dominion and to subdue it. Not to worship it and to praise it and to try and keep it. That's not the job of the human being. And instead they want to try and do that. You know what you don't have to worry about? You don't have to worry about the last spotted owl. You don't. You don't have to worry about... If a whale gets beached on the shore, feel free. You don't have to push it back in. Why not? He's got a ton of whales. Literally tons. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, he's got whales. He doesn't need that one. If that one dies, it's because the Lord was all right with him dying. Say, so how do you know that? Because if he wanted him back in, he'd have put a bigger wave up. And he'd have pulled it right back in for you. And it would have been over with. You don't have to worry about it. See, people are so consumed with the idea, well, I have to do something about it. You have nothing you can do. Stop worrying about things you don't have to worry about. The idea of... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back in, I promise. You realize, this whole idea of, oh, COVID is just, right? I'm going to go there, I, I know. You say, why do you say that? Because we had some people with COVID that got COVID this, you know, recently. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you this. You ready? Ready? I'm being, I'm being honest. I know it's serious. I know it's a disease. I know you can die. I know all those things. I, I've done my research. I promise. I'm not just saying this. You realize, I don't care how much you stay in your house. You can get sick no matter where you are. Fear is bondage. Now, I don't recommend you getting everybody sick with it. But at the same time, you can't be so afraid to not do what the Lord asked you to do. It holds you in the shackles so then people don't go to church. They don't be a witness. They don't interact with anybody else. They don't do anything. And what has it done? It has made society so introverted that they will no longer speak about their Savior. And they think everybody's going to be afraid if they come up and talk to them. 
Well, you don't worry about your, that fear on your side. You just take care of you. Be the witness and the testament and do what you ought to do. Because guess what? You can't stop anybody from getting sick. You can't even keep you from being sick. Trust me, if you could, I wouldn't have gotten sick. I had too much to do. Lord gave me a break. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. This is vacation week. That's what this is. I'm taking a nap. Uh, the idea that, you say, what's, what's God done for the entirety of chapter 38? He's put Job into perspective that I'm God. I do all of these things and you have no idea. You have no idea what you don't have to worry about, number one. You have no idea all the things that I have done. You don't know all the things that I do on a daily basis. You are way down there, and I am the God of the universe. And in comparison between me and God, there is no comparison. The only reason there's any comparative between me and God is because he created me in his image. The only reason is that he's allowed me to become a son of God. Outside of those two things, you and I, zero. <laughs> There's no comparative. He is so much higher than us and so much better than us and so much more powerful than us and so great compared to us that there is no comparative. Which is why when you get down to it and you understand that this is God and then we are so far below him that he would send his son and die for our sins and want a relationship with us, it puts that into perspective very quickly. And when the psalmist writes, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? You get a whole lot better idea who he is and what we really are. And that's what he's doing to Job right here. He's putting him down into perspective. Job, who are you to come up and want to ask me what I'm doing? I'm God. And you are just there because I let you be there. Lord, we thank you for the day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your, just your wonderful mercy and grace upon us. And Father, I thank you that you are a wonderful God to us and that you saved to the uttermost. And Father, if someone comes in today that's lost, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ alone to save them for all of eternity. Once again, we pray you'd come back soon to take us home. Father, it would be great to hear a trumpet sound today, but if not, help us to be faithful till you come. Once again, bless the day in Jesus' name. Amen.